we hold you bound. You have no portion here. In the name of Jesus, I have prayed. I say amen wherever you may be. Amen. Glory to God. I started speaking on this subject, the uncommon act of God, because God gave me a word for the month of November that we are in church. He said, this month shall be to you the month of uncommon testimonies. And I believe that the uncommon acts of God will produce uncommon testimonies in our lives. So I decided to study and look at the things that God does in the world and why they are called uncommon. I said to us about five weeks ago now that every work of God can be termed as an uncommon act. They are not things that have been seen before. They are not things that have been done before. I define the word uncommon to us as unorthodox. When we say something is uncommon, it means it is unorthodox. I also define the word uncommon as not normal. Something that is not normal. It's not the norm. The word uncommon is also unusual or rare. Something that is not in line with natural occurrence, not sync with the norm. That is what the word uncommon means. And after, decide, after defining that to us, I started speaking on how we can position ourselves for uncommon acts of God. And um, I said five weeks ago that one of the things that I believe Elijah did in First Kings that helped him to be positioned for such an uncommon act where fire licked up water, licked up dust, consumed stones, and consumed the sacrifice, that's an uncommon act. And I said that one thing that helped him to experience it was that he repaired the broken down altar of the Lord. He repaired the altar. By repairing the altar, he was able to engage, or sorry, he was able to benefit from God's uncommon act. And I started giving us what an altar represents. I said first and foremost, it represents a place of great consecration. I said if you are going to build an altar in your house, an altar in your life, you have to be a lover of holiness, a lover of consecration. Because I said that the altar of the Lord is a sacred place. Psalm 28, 26, verse 6. Psalm 26, if you read verse 6, he said, I will wash my hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar. So you could see there that the psalmist was saying, if I'm going to come before the altar of God, I'm going to wash my hands in innocency. So it is important for us to know that consecration is, is needed and required if we are going to build an altar. You cannot build an altar or have an altar in your life without loving holiness. In the book of Exodus 40 verse 10, the Bible declares that the altar of God is a most holy thing. In, in Exodus 40 10, it says, And thou shalt anoint the altar of the burnt offering, and all his vessels, and sanctify the altar. Listen to this. He said, and it shall be an altar most holy. Exodus 40 verse 10. It shall be an altar most holy. So I spoke extensively about the need for believers to embrace consecration on a higher level than they have done before. Purity, very important before God. The Bible said in Matthew 5 verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The second thing I started speaking about, which was last week, was that I said that the altar is a place of worship. A place of worship. If you are going to be someone who have an altar, you have to embrace, you have to be a true worshipper. You have to embrace worship in all of its forms. You have to be able to say to yourself, I am a genuine worshipper of the Most High God. So I told us that we need to be worshippers. I spoke extensively on that also <laughs> last week. But there's something I wanted to know. I started speaking on the fact about worshippers. I said that worshippers seek him and not things. Number two, I said they seek tangible impartation over bodily or physical sensation. I also said that they are worshippers lay it bare at the altar. They lay it bare everything. When you see a worshipper, they don't hold anything back. Whether it's in their words, whether it's, a, it's in their words or in their actions, they don't hold anything back. I also said that worshippers don't hold back and they are people who live beyond the veil. They go beyond the veil rather. I showed us various uh, uh, scriptures to prove this. But I want to go on today. I will say one or two things about worship and then I will move into the next thing that the altar represents. I just want to tie you know, some knots together here. One major truth, hear me. That I have discovered about worship or the altar of worship is this in Exodus 20, if you read from verse 22 to 26, Exodus 20, 
from verse 22 to 26, there was a very specific and powerful instruction that God gave with reference to the altar of worship. Listen to it. He said, And the Lord said unto Moses, Exodus 20, 22 to 26, And the Lord said unto Moses, Thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, Ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. Ye shall not make me gods of silver, neither shall ye make unto me, unto you gods of gold. An altar of earth, please notice that word earth, an altar of earth thou shalt make unto me, and shall sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings, and thy peace offerings, thy sheep and thy oxen, in all places where I record my name. I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. Now, if thou will make me an altar of stone, listen to this, thou shalt not build it of hewn stones. I'm coming to that. You will not build it of hewn stones. This is God is given specific instruction about the altar. He said, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone. For if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. What does that mean? Look at the next verse. He said, Neither shalt thou go up by steps unto my altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. Now you will see here very clearly, God is simply saying, When you build me an altar, don't build it of hewn stones. The same thing he said in Deuteronomy chapter 27. Deuteronomy 27 from verse 5 to verse 8. I'm going to break it down, but I want you to hear this first. Deuteronomy 27. So that you know what kind of thing the altar represent altar of worship represent before god if you're going to build an altar of worship god said i don't need i don't need hewn uh, stones i'm going to explain that to you deuteronomy 27 from verse 5 to verse 8 he said and there shall thou build an altar unto the lord thy god an altar of stones thou shalt not lift up any iron tool upon it upon them thou shalt build the altar of the lord thy god of whole stones you see that whole stones i'm coming to that and thou shalt offer burnt offerings thereon unto the lord thy god and thou shalt offer peace offerings and shall eat there and rejoice before the lord thy god the altar is a place of rejoicing and thou shalt write upon the stones of the words of upon the stones all the words of the law very plainly now again in joshua chapter 8 i want to read all of these scriptures first from verse 30 to 31 you will see God again repeating to Joshua this thing. So that makes it three times that God has said it. And out of the mouth of two or three, let every word be established. So this must be something very important with reference to raising an altar of worship to God. Jo Joshua chapter 8 from verse 30 to 31. Then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal. As Moses the servant of the Lord commanded the children of Israel. As it is written, in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones. You hear that word again? Whole stones over which no man had lifted up any iron. Look at that again. And they offered their own burnt offerings unto the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. Now, the question is this why no iron upon the altar? Why no hewn stones? I mean, it's a question I was asking myself. I had to ask myself, Lord, why don't you want it? Why don't you want hewn stones? The first thing you need to understand is this. What does it mean when a stone is described as hewn? And what does it mean when a stone is unhewn? Now, when the stone is described as hewn, listen to me. A hewn stone is a stone that's been worked upon. And on a hewn stone simply refers to natural stones. Listen to that natural stones so god is saying when you want to build me an altar make sure that you build it of natural stones not stones that you have walked upon the word unhewn i love this one unhewn stones it also means uncut stones uncut stones stones that have not been cut already the word hewn unhewn stones also means naturally obtained stones stones that have not been worked upon now the first thing I want you to notice about an unhewn stone is this. Hear this. This simply means when we approach the altar of worship, we must come just as we are. You hear me? God is saying, bring the stones just as they are. Don't work on it. Don't try to make it good enough. Don't try to make it perfect. Just bring me stones that you haven't worked on. I want the stones just as they are. 
So when you come into God's presence in the place of worship, can I say this to you? You are expected to come in your imperfection. You are expected to come with your depression. You are expected to come with your brokenness. You are expected to come with all the bruises on you. You are expected to come with all the despise. You are expected to come in the ugly shape that you are. Because, can I say this to you? In that altar, God is going to remold, reshape, and reform you and reposition you for better and greater life ahead. He said, come with unhealed stones. Don't bring stones that you have worked upon. Because in those days, when people want to build an altar for, idol, for idols, they always get stones, and then they will walk on those stones. They will, they will walk on them. They will cast them with swords, with iron, and make them look very good. And there are people who want to look good for God. Who just want to be, oh, I would have loved to worship, but they want to be better than what they have. Can I say this to you? Listen very carefully to this. No human perfection can measure up before the presence of God of all ultimate perfection. No human perfection. Don't try to be perfect to come before God. Look at people that came, they came, the Syrophoenician woman, she came just as she was. The woman with the issue of blood, she came just as she was. Look at Zacchaeus, he came just as he is. Look at Bartimaeus, he came just as he is. Look at the uh, 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 the various people, the, the blind people, the people that Jesus taught. They came just as they were. They didn't try to change their clothes and look good, make up well, and know just uh, I want to. No, no, no. Come with unhewn stones. Don't be afraid to approach God just as you are. That means don't try to impress God in worship. Are you are you with me? You can't impress the maker of the heaven and the earth. He is God all by himself. He is God all by himself. Don't try to impress him. He is God all by himself. Number two, what does it mean to come with unhewn stones? What does it mean to come with un uncut stones? What does it mean to come with natural stones? He simply means, hear this, don't bring any symbol of man's works or artistry or skill before God in worship. Don't. That sometimes we are so concerned about the skill of our worship, so concerned about the artistry, that we feel that it's got to be, you know, for God. God is impressed with the heart of worship and the acts of worship. Come. Don't, you know, when, listen to me, when they cut stones in those days to build altars for idols, it is done by men and they put images on it. They cut it so perfect so that it just it looks so good. It looks so great. God said, I want it in the raw form. Hallelujah. Can I say this to you? I feel like we should do a praise and worship a service and call it rough worship. Are you hearing me? Rough, rough worship. Just come. At times it has to be rough for you to be tough. You've got, I mean, rough worship. Raw worship. Rough. I see people who worship God and they don't have all the other things to help them by the side. They come with rough worship. Just as they are. Nobody's trying to be perfect. The tie has to be right. The suit has to be right. The color combination has to be right. That is not with God. All of those things does not affect God. He is God of all perfection and he is God of ultimate perfection. There is no amount of perfection you can achieve that can impress the perfection of the Most High God. Human perfection will fall before divine perfection. They came as they were. Just as they were. They didn't dress up for it. What am I trying to say? Come before God in worship as you are. Oh, if I can get my life back together better, then I will come and worship. No! Come before him just as you are. When I was growing up, there was this song we used to sing. Just as I hear him without one plea. The day I got saved, what was written on my on my top was not the kind of thing that should go before another. The kind of inscription on my top, I won't tell you because I don't want to dis I don't want to pollute you or pollute your mind. The kind of jeans I was wearing were ripped jeans. Ripped jeans. Dirty. The kind of sneakers I had on. Oh my Lord. You don't want to know. But when he saved me, he did not save me in suits. He did not save me in Gucci wearing. He did not save me with the best perfume on. He saved me as raw, as rough as I was. And I'm still saved you today. Give God praise wherever you may be. Hallelujah. Rough worship. He said, on huge stones. I don't want anybody, you know, getting perfection. Getting it. No, no, no. On huge stones. On huge stones. That's worship. 
So it means don't come with any perfection. Don't come with any skill of, 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 of human, I mean human skills and artistry. Our works refer to our achievements. Don't bring your achievement before God. Don't bring your success before God. Your success is before God. Don't bring your, your superiority. Your power. He said no iron must be on it. No iron must be on it. The iron there, because when they are cutting stones in those days, what they do is that when they cut stones, they ensure that it's cut with sword. Don't bring any sword. And sword represents human, the power of man. The power of man. Don't bring that power before me. Even if you're a multimillionaire, when you come to the place of worship, forget that. And because become as smart as you can. Many years ago, I had an architect give an, give an answer to a question by a journalist. He said, I would like to ask you, the journalist said to the architect, I would like to ask you this question. He said to him, why do you build cathedrals so massive, so colossal, gigantic, colossal, enormous? Why? And the architect said, the reason why we do that, number one, is because we're a great God. That's the first reason. And number two, so that every human being that comes there will feel small. So that you will be humble. That's what they're saying. Not that you will lose your self-esteem, but you will be humbled when you enter a cathedral and you see the house of the Most High God. I've been to Jerusalem with my wife on, on, on a on pilgrimage, and when we got to the part of the temple that was still alive, that was still there, when we saw the pillars, the walls, oh my gosh! I said, wow! Thank God that temple has been pulled down. Now we have the temple here. Here is the temple of the Holy Ghost now. It's out of that physical temple. It's now living our human body. For the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? Your worship. Don't bring your successes in. As people come into church at time to worship God. And you can see it all written over them. I am a multimillionaire. <laughs> When the usher says, sit down, he said, for where? Do you know who you are talking to? Do you know that I brought the latest jag to church? Don't go and judge your jag. We don't need that. God does not need that. Are you with me? He rides upon the clouds. Glory to God. I've never seen a car like that. That's just a cloud. That's where God rides on. You are riding a jag and you are shouting. You are, you are, you are shouting. What am I trying to say here? Don't bring your successes in before him. Don't let him, don't prove to him. Like the Pharisees came. Say, you know me. I fast twice a week. I pay my diet. He was boasting to God. He brought his achievements and spirituality and superiority over other men. into the place of worship. That is hewn stones. Hewn stones. We need unhewn worship. Hallelujah. Rough worship. That's what we need now in the body of Christ. Rough worship. The kind of worship people look at you like, ah, you're not ready. Uh, we are this. Uh, do this. No, rough worship on huge stones. I don't know about you, but I feel like telling somebody here, if you're going to build an altar of worship, come just as you are. Come just as you are. Now, because of time, I'll just mention two more. Because of time, because I want to get to what I want to talk about today quickly. I'm so sorry. I'm going to think quickly about on huge stone is that iron on altar depicts contradiction. Iron on altar depicts contradiction. What does that mean? The iron that we're talking about, the swords, were made to end the lives of men. Whereby the altar is made to prolong men's lives. So the two of them coming together, that's a contradiction. And God does not work with contradiction. In him there's no confusion. That's not God. He doesn't work with contradiction. Number four, quickly. On hewn stone signifies no image or carvings of any sort before God. Idolaters always use hewn stones to build the altars for their gods. And they will put images on it because I don't want an image before me. The only thing I must be on the altar are the laws of the Lord. Written on the stones are all the laws of the Lord. When you come into his presence, no image. Thou shalt have no other God beside me. I am God and there is none beside me. All right. I will set that to conclude the altar as a place of worship. The next thing you have to know about the altar is this. It is a place of sacrifice. Now, this does not need much introduction. The place of sacrifice does not need much introduction. This is the most known and most visible fact about an altar. Everybody knows an altar is used for sacrifice. They say, and if you wake up a Christian who is two years old, they will tell you one year old, they will tell you, oh, an altar is for sacrifice, a place of sacrifice. Good, that is true. Despite the fact that it is widely known 
as a place of sacrifice, unfortunately, it is the least practiced. Despite the fact it is widely known, it is not widely practiced. People do not put sacrifice on sacrifices on their altars again. They just have altars where they receive, not altars where they give. So Christians have become a bunch of receivers. The only reason why we go to church is to receive, receive. That's why the pastor's president says, receive. Amen. When the man says give. No, our, our altars no longer have sacrifices on them. They have wood, yes. They have uh, stones, yes. But no sacrifice. No sacrifice. Can I say this to you? The cradle of Christianity is for sacrifice. Is sacrifice, rather. The birthplace of Christianity, that's the cradle. The birthplace of Christianity is sacrifice. Jesus dying on the cross. Without sacrifice, there's no Christianity. Christianity, can I say this, was built and is built on the sacrifice of Jesus' life on the cross of Calvary. Without the shedding of blood, the Bible says there is no remission of sin. Without the shedding of blood. John chapter 1 verse 29. John was speaking about Jesus when he saw him. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God. I like that. He said, the next day John see Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. The sin of the world. Christianity was built on sacrifice. So when I see Christians who claim to be born again, but are always shying away from making sacrifices, I wonder where you got born again. I question your born again experience to the core. I question it to the real core. Because for you to call yourself a believer or a Christian, someone who believes in Christ, sacrificing for others, Sacrificing for God, sacrificing for your family, sacrificing for, for the church of Jesus Christ to be the norm in your life. The only time people are sad in the church when it's time to give. Hey, they are coming to take our money again, though. Your money? The money that you claim to give, the testimony that God gave you, that is your money. Sacrifice. And he asked me to say, do you sacrifice on your altar? When last did you sacrifice something on your altar? Say when last. Ask them. When last did you sacrifice something on your altar? When last? All we put on our altar. No sacrifice. Romans 12 verse 1 tells us that we are a living sacrifice. Romans 12 verse 1. He said we are living sacrifices. Only to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Only and acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable spiritual service. You see that? Our spiritual service is inch on our sacrifices. Oh, I wish we can have men and women that will sit on the pews who are ready to bleed if need be. Who are ready to step out if need be. Who are ready to stand out if need be. Who are ready to give all if need be and it is required for the progress of the kingdom of God. Say amen wherever you are. We need sacrifice. Enough of talk. Talk is cheap. Action is costly. We need sacrifice on the altar. Because the altar is a place of sacrifice. Second Chronicles. Chapter 8 verse 12. People are talking about Solomon. Oh Lord, give me the kind of wisdom that Solomon has. Come and see the kind of man that Solomon was. When he was here. Come and see the kind of man he was. Before you... Many people sing, Abraham, blessings are mine. Go and read Genesis 22 and see the kind of man Abraham was. Before you call somebody's blessings yours, you better call their sacrifices yours too. And I forget this. The woman of God, said she was somewhere to minister, great woman of God all over the world. And a young lady walked up to her after she finished ministry and not beside her. I said, Mommy, I am so taken over by the anointing of the Holy Ghost on your life. Can you just pray that the anointing you carry will rest upon me from today? The woman said, no problem. She hold my hands. She held her hands. And then she began to pray. Father, I thank you for this wonderful daughter of yours who has come to receive the anointing. But because I know there is a price to the anointing, therefore I pray. All the price that I paid, my sorrow, my pain, my depression, my loneliness, my 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 my, 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 my rejection, 
Lord, let it come upon her right now. Hey, she said, oh, yeah. Mommy, no, I asked you for your anointing, not for your pain. Ah, is there sorry, my dear? There is no anointing without this prize. None. People who want, they want the grace, they want the anointing, but they want to pay the price. They don't want to pay the price. They that so in tears shall reap in joy. That's what the Bible says. They that so in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth weeping, weeping, bearing precious seed. That's what the scripture says. Shall darkness return, rejoicing with his sheep, with his harvest. I remember Archbishop Benson Dahosa of blessed memory, great man of God. A man that they said fire was in his bones. His autograph, his book says fire in his bones. I love that book. Fire in his bones. He raised many dead people back to life. Great man of God. Had a whole, a whole witch, uh, 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 African witch's arm to ransom. They said all the witches in Africa are coming to meet in the city. He said the Bible says suffer not a witch to live. He challenged them to an open debate on TV. They could not say they were witches. He said, God said that you are a witch now. One of them said, your God cannot kill us. He said, no, it is, that is too much. It is God is too busy for him to come down and kill you. I myself will kill you. How about a witch? <laughs> what a powerful man. He, was, he made a statement. He said, take offering from the people. He said, even if they are weeping, he said, take it because it's scriptural. For dead are so in tears, shall reap in joy. He said, when they are crying, that's the best time to take the offering. What am I trying to say here? Where is your sacrifice? Look at Solomon. 2 Chronicles 8, verse 12. He says, then Solomon offered. You see him? Burnt offerings unto the Lord on the altar of the Lord. He offered burnt offering unto the Lord on the altar which he had built before the porch. So he was a man who sacrifices a lot. He was a man who sacrifices a lot. So you cannot therefore ask for the wisdom of Solomon without taking this part of his life. Christian can sacrifice. Not only, listen, giving money alone is not the only sacrifice that God wants from you. People can sacrifice their time. They can't. They have planned their time, their agenda, that as far as they are concerned, they have, they, God cannot step in. If everything you give God is everything you plan to give, what of you when he asks you to give what you didn't plan? What will you do? What will you do? Ah, 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 I don't have that time. You wait, 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 we need to understand that we are speaking to him. We are dealing with a God that is the embodiment of all things that you claim is yours. The life that he gave you, you are not taking it away from him. The husband he gave you, you are taking it away. The children he gave you, you are taking it away. The time that he gave you, you are taking it away. That money is the least on the ladder of what God is asking for. Money. What's money? Paper with an image on it. That's what you want to die for. Paper with an image. The day rapture happened, you will see what happened to those papers. You will see. Paper with an image on it. One man, great footballer, I don't want to mention them, just died recently. In this year 2020, not all over the world. We read an article about him yesterday that when he died, he died with only 75,000 pounds in his account. He said he died poor. Yeah, I don't know if you have assets all over the place, so I don't know whether that you were right to say that he died poor. I don't know about that. I can't confirm it. But what I'm saying is that he's dead. But even his 75,000 pounds can go with him. Sacrifices is required on the altar. If you claim to have an altar, put a sacrifice on it. Put a sacrifice on it. Let there be a flow of blood. Put a sacrifice on it. Joshua 8. Verse 30 to 31. Then Joshua built an altar to the Lord of Israel in Mount Ebal. I read it earlier as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the of Israel. As it is written in the book of the Lord of Moses, an altar of whole stones, over which no man has lifted any iron. And they offered. You see, Joshua? And they offered thereon burnt offerings unto the Lord, sacrifice peace offerings. Peace offerings. Hebrews 9, 22 says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. The Epa said, everything, everything, almost all things are by the law, purged with blood. Everything. Where is your sacrifice? Ask another person, where, 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 where is your sacrifice today? Where is your sacrifice? What is it that you are giving that you can call a sacrifice? 
You see Christians, want something paying them a little bit. It's just discomforting me. Ah! Christian, the cradle of Christianity. In case you were not told when you gave your life to Jesus, hear me today and go and meet the pastor who preached on the day you got saved. He will tell you it was somebody's sacrifice over 2,000 years ago whose blood is still flowing that washed your sin clean. How long will your own sacrifice go? Christians, you can't sacrifice anything. You see convenient Christians today. Christians who are not intentional about their Christianity. Come for evangelism, they won't come. Come for prayer meeting, they won't come. But we say, show up for prosperity meeting. How to build the biggest house in London. Hey, they show up. So you see the kind of altar they have? Altar without sacrifice. No wonder we don't see God in action. Stop blaming the pastors. Stop blaming the church. Look at yourself. You are as guilty as anybody else because you have no altar of sacrifice. You have an altar, but no sacrifice on it. Leviticus 1, 14 to 15, quickly. I've got to start rounding off. Leviticus 1, 14 to 15. He said, and if the bond sacrifice for his offering of the, of the Lord be fouled, then he shall bring his offering of turtledoves and of young pigeons. People who think that what they have is too small to give to God. These are turtledoves. This is what the poor of the poor of the poorest give. Yet God said, even if you are poor, I need, I need something from you. I need a sacrifice. When Jesus was going to be, because brands are not very rich, they brought turtledoves. That's for the poor. Even the poor has something to give. Look at the widow. What would you say when you get to heaven and you meet the widow who gave her last night? What would you say to defend yourself? Look, there are witnesses. Hebrews 12 verse 1. We are surrounded by the cloud of witnesses. A cloud of witnesses. There are people who have gone ahead of you who were in your shoes and they did better than you are doing right now. When you get to heaven, you get to heaven and you see them go with Jesus. What's your excuse? He also had it. He, he, he didn't have a child, he also didn't have a child, but he still served me. He didn't have a job, he also didn't have a job when he was there on and he still served me. You'll be shocked how many people were in your worst position, but they gave. So stop telling yourself that you are going through anything. Peter said, there's nothing you are going through that is not common to man. Nothing that we are going through that is not common to man. It's common to all believers. Sacrifice. I don't justify my disobedience by telling myself, eh, you know, my situation. Which situation? You'll be shocked when you get to heaven. You'll be shocked. People who serve God, that we have not heard of them on social media before, you'll be shocked. They live in the village. They live in a place where Wi-Fi does not work. But yet, they give God the best of all worship. You have Wi-Fi. You have broadband. Vodafone, BT, O2, Virgin, and all that is not Virgin too. All of them you have. And yet, you can't worship. Yet, you can't join the church service. You'll be shocked when you get to heaven and you will see people whose name never appeared on a single poster. But yet they will say they are before you. You say why? They may not have seen Gucci suit before like you wear every day. They may not have seen the best of all clothes before like you wear. But you'll be shocked because God will tell you they gave me pure worship. They never heard that. When they go to farm to harvest their yam, they give the bring to the house of God. They come to, I remember many years ago, my wife said she was going somewhere with her. With a, with, a, with a mom, mom and then she, she, I mean, the, 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 the pastor's house, uh, and, and then, then to visit him, him and then on the way, the mother branched by uh, uh, a place and bought some fruits and some things, and said, mommy, why do you have to do this? He said, we don't go before a man of God empty-handed. You tell you tell the 21st century Christian, they will tell you why. Tell you why. Why should I go there empty-handed? What did he give you when he came last time to my own house? Why should I not? Is it me that also have to go there? Why should I not? It is not. Why should you not? It is if God said it. And say so you are a Christian? Obey everything. Obey all the laws. You know what Jesus told that rich man? He said, keep all the commandments. The man said, kept all. Jesus said, except one. Can you imagine? One, one, just one, was able to rob him of a place in eternity. Check yourself. Check yourself. Stop, stop congratulating yourself. I did, I did this for this. this. I, did I did that for that. that. What have you sacrificed? Are you sacrificing? Are you sacrificing? Romans 12 verse 1 said, we should offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Psalm 50 verse 5. He said, gather my sins together unto me. Those that have made covenant with me by sacrifice. You see that? I'm coming to that anyway. Those that made covenant with me by sacrifice. As I begin to close. Just, just, just some few minutes left, three more minutes, minutes and, and half minutes. minutes. So, so listen to me very carefully. I will give you the power 
of a true sacrifice. Like you know that what you have been given is a sacrifice. This is what happens when you give a true sacrifice. Genesis 8, 20 to 22. I'll read it and I'll give you four points quickly and I'll close. Genesis 8, 20 to 22. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, you see that again, an altar, an altar, and took of every clean beast. Can you imagine? The, uh, the flood had just receded, and it's just coming out of the ark. What an achievement. Do you know that being in this year 2020 with COVID-19 is like the flood? Now, after the flood, what will you do? He came out, his own COVID-19 experience. He came out. A lot of people died. Only him and his children and some animals were left. So when he came out, what was the first thing he did? Some people, the first thing they will do is try and go to somebody's house that they know before and go and take the television there and put it in their house. No, no. What was the first thing he did? Did he ask God for a blessing? No. What was the first thing? The Bible said he built an altar. Believers, we need altars. You need an altar. You got a job? That you say, wow, what is the first thing you did? What was the first thing rather that you did? He came out and the first thing was this. He built an altar unto the Lord. And then out of his success story, out of his achievement, he took of every, and listen to this, clean. Somebody say clean, whatever you are, say clean. There are many unclean offerings that we get in church. When is that to give offering? The money that you can use to buy McDonald's for yourself. And buy for your husband and buy for your children. That's what you give to God as offering. And you have given something. That sacrifice, am I, am, I, am I the only one who is giving? When you are going to suffer, you will be the one that will suffer. So that God will, not suffer. God will not punish people because of you. Am I the only one? And the other people in church. That's what is killing, that's what is killing the world. Somebody believes that somebody else should do it. And somebody else says that everybody is doing it. And nobody else does it. Do your own. That's what I'm saying. Do yours. Do yours, Do yours is, is a clean, clean, clean offering. Let me see the offering you will give today. Clean. <laughs> he said, he said, he did an altar and took of every clean beast and offered every clean fowl. Clean beast, clean fowl. And offered burnt offerings where please on the altar. The place of sacrifice. And what happened? The Lord smiled. A sweet smell, a sweet smell is of all. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. Why the earth remaineth seed time and harvest and cold and eat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Now listen, four things that a genuine sacrifice, the power of a true sacrifice. Four things. The power of a true sacrifice. Quickly, my time is running off fast. Number one, it produces a sweet fragrance in heaven. What fragrance did your five pounds last week produce? I'm not saying your five pounds was no money. Or was this a sacrifice? That's all I'm asking. Did you feel something when you gave it? Did you feel like, ah, What? I went to a church one time ago and it was time to give offering and my offering was 50 pounds and I gave it. After the service, the pastor, because I was visiting, the pastor called me. He said, excuse me, can I ask you a question which I found very interesting? I said, what? He said, did you give 50 pounds today? I said, why are you asking me? That's between me and God. He said, I just want to clear something. I said, yes, I did. Is that no? Is that no body? Is that in this place? I said, don't talk like that about your people. Christians, we can't even. 50, 50 pounds as offering? Not that it's offering. 50 pounds. The world just times it by 600. <laughs> now that money. After the times it, they'll convert. Ah, 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 ah. You see? 50 times 600 divided by. Ah! How can you give that as offering? So when God wants to bless you, you look at you and say, Oh, don't give him a mansion. Give him a face, a face room and face me. Give him a shared apartment. But then they say, Why? Ah, ah. when you multiply and then say, Ah, this is too big for me. So he cut it down. Cut down his blessing. For, for why? why? Somebody said, Pastor, don't curse me. I'm not cursing you. Luke 6, 38. Was so why a man soweth, thou shalt hear it. Give and shall be. Sorry. Galatians 6, verse 8. Whatever man shall shall hear it. Galatians 6, verse 9. Thou shall hear it. But Luke 6, 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, present thing that I'm running over. For with the same measure, the people have said that the measure will be measured back to you. That's what just scares me. The same measure. Yes, the same measure. Those, those days, days when we go to when we go to market with our mummies in Africa, 
that the people who sell rice, rice you know, they will put a bowl and they measure it. But you know what they've done? They will hit the bottom of the bowl. They will hit it. And they can decrease the volume of the bowl. So when you put rice, even though you are paying for that volume, but you're not getting the same volume. Cheat. How can you cheat somebody and think you'll be blessed? How can you ever rob somebody of their blessing and think your own will come? You are joking. It's far from you like, like heaven from the earth. Don't stand the way of somebody's blessing. Or else God will put people that will start to do your own blessings. For whatsoever a man soweth, is the scripture that says, that shall he also reap. For whatsoever a man soweth, be careful what you sow. When people start reaping something, I don't know why this happened to me. I don't know why I'm going. I ask them, what have you done before? What have you done before? Because even when we are praying for you and your system is not changing, we lay hand, we lay leg, we lay stomach, we lay our back, we lay our head, we pour oil on our head, we put it on your head. See, didn't work. You are still back again after five years. I don't know where to Ah, Kaga, you must have done some things. Confess now. Confess. Proverbs verse thirteen says, "He that compares his sins shall not prosper." So please, you won't prosper. No matter the prayer anybody pray for you, if you are coming and saying you won't prosper. No prayer can change the principle of the word of God. What are you doing? People think that there's a, somebody can pray. Say in the name of Jesus now. You pray for somebody who is living in sin. Say in the name of Jesus. Be blessed. That pastor needs to be slapped. Because he's misleading you. That's why that man said in John chapter 9 verse 35. He said we know that God does not hear sinners. He said it. A blind man whose eyes are God's open. He said we know. Not that we think or we assume. He said we know. It's a knowing that God does not hear sinners. Except he's praying the sinner's prayer. If a man be a worshiper of God. You see that worship. Worship. And where is God is worship? What's the altar against sacrifice? If a man be a worshiper of God and do what is will, that is, you obey the word of God, you live by the word of God. Every commandment in the Bible, you don't cherry pick. Said then that man shall be hard. I tell people, I don't join you to pray. If I know that you are doing things that is negating my prayer for your life, I just that's wasting my time. I don't join you to pray. I cannot be praying for you and you are living in bitterness. You are wishing that somebody fall down die. You want me to be praying for you that you prosper? That's not going to work. Sweet fragrance. Hallelujah. God sat in heaven. You want sweet savour. Sweet fragrance, rather, means sweet savour. I love one translation, the new living translation. He said, and there arose unto God, and God smelled, rather, a pleasing aroma. I like that. A pleasing aroma. You know, somebody can enter your house like this, and you begin to cover your nose. Not because of anything, but when they enter, they brought an aroma that is unpleasant. With them, go call body odor. But there are others that you enter and say, I remember when someone asked me, what's the name of your perfume? Of your cologne? I said, 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 I must buy it. What am I Sweet fragrance. Sacrifice. Genuine sacrifice. It is not all sacrifices that bring that kind of fragrance to God. What did your last offering bring to God? Horrible fragrance. Sweet aroma. It makes the heart of a father to be joyful. In Ezra 6, Ezra, chapter 6, if you read from verse 8 to verse 10, Ezra 6, from verse 8 to 10, he said, Moreover, I make a decree. This is a king making a decree, Dairos. He said, I make a decree. What you shall do to the elders of these Jews for the building of this house of God? This is an unbeliever king, unbelieving king making a decree. He said that. That, that of that, that of the king's goods, that of the king's goods, even of the tribute, that is tax, taxes. The man is saying from the taxes people have given. Beyond the river, people are living beyond the river. Forthwith, expenses be given to these men. These were given to priests. They were given to priests. He said, give them what they need, taxes, money, give it to them. He said that they did not in that. You see that? At times, when, when I, I look at pastors who are frustrated, I say, ah! Their people have refused to give what is due. So, so the pastor cannot afford to pay for the rent of the church auditorium. He cannot afford to buy equipment for the church for them to be able to function well. There are some churches that are like that today. Thank God, ours is not. But I, I really pray for those pastors because they are struggling. Not because of the devil, but because of God's children who feel that their pastors will not deserve to have that kind of money to be able to work with. The pastor is on a salary. It doesn't take any more than a salary. And, and sometimes, sometimes some pastor's salary is 10% of what you earn. 
and see here you want him to be hungry. We need to the church of God, we need to watch our wickedness. Look at this unbelieving king saying that, listen, give unto these men what they need so that they are not in that. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that in CCSC I shall not be in that. To be able to pursue the vision of God for you, for, for us all in the name of Jesus. This is it. Give them that they be not in that. They are building the house of God. They must not be in that. They must not be in that. We must not be seen doing things to frustrate them, to disgrace them, to embarrass them, to make it difficult for them. So that you can just justify your little mindset that you have, that you are right when you are arguing with them. Nonsense in the body of Christ. Sorry to use that word. Nonsense in the body of Christ. Sorry once again. That because one must justify yourself. To be right. You will enter the work. And you think your blessing will come, you are joking. Look at this. He said that they do not in that. And that which they have of need of. I mean, they have need of. Both young bullocks and rams and lambs. For the burnt offerings of the God of heaven. Wheat, salt, wine, oil. According to the appointment of the priests. Which are at Jerusalem. Let it be given them. They let it be given to them day by day without fail that they may offer now listen to this the reason why God is saying make all of this available give your offering give your tithe give your time give your energy give your resources why that they that they may offer sacrifices of what sweet sabbaths unto the God of heaven and then listen to me pray for the life of the king and his sons are you, are you not kings? kings? That's not what the Bible says we are. That we, we are kings and priests. And priests. That, that this, this priest can now pray for the life of your king. I mean, pray for your life. But when there are no sacrifices on the altar, no sweet fragrance in heaven. Number two, the second thing that happens when we give genuine sacrifice is this: it touches the heart of the father. Oh, listen, nothing touches the heart of the father like sacrifice. True genuine sacrifice. Not, not the change that we give. give. They're new sacrifice. I went to a place some time ago in church, and there was an adult beside me, and they were taking offering. We went together, and he brought money out. He counted all the paper money and put it back, and then took two pound coin and then dropped it. I looked at him. I said, "You didn't just do that beside me." He said, "Sir, he said, 'What are people to give? Ah, what are people to give?" I said, take, take those paper money from your hand. I said, I said who, who are you giving to? He said, God. So, so two pounds. I said, God is that. Come on, put something. Ah! Even two pounds won't buy you a good McDonald's meal. See how disgraceful. How, how? Then they say, hey, the church does not have this. The church, how can the church have? You made the church poor. We don't have the letters air. We don't have the letters air. How can the church have the letters air? The letters air. When you are not giving the letters M. Come on. Don't deceive yourself. And cash is supplied for his church. Through whom? Nana don't come from heaven again. You came to give a testimony. They need arms on me. The next time, I got the job. I got the job. Oh, I pray for promotion. They pray for me. I got the amazing service. I got. Now you got in your off your salary. What do you do with your time? You keep it away. You know why? It's too big to give to God. God does not. It's not worth it. Offering. Once I've given two pounds, three pounds. I told, I told my, my ministers, ministers in this church, if your offering is less than social amount, I say I will, I will throw you out of the board of ministers. What kind of nonsense is that? How can leaders who ought to give more be given so small and expect people to do more? How can a leader? I can't imagine a leader. The body of Christ is full of wickedness. Wickedness not to man but to God. And yet they will say, fat, 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 Live right. Let us live in accordance with the will of God. I will keep saying it. I will lose my popularity with men, but not with God. I'm not the kind of person that can tell the truth. I'm sick and tired of the church of Jesus Christ breaking the laws of God and yet saying they want to be blessed. 
And when they can't, they go to the Havali's house. They go to Cut Corner. They will lie just to get the blessing and be proven. At least I don't pay tax, but look at how blessed I am. You know how you got the job. Look at the CV. Show us the CV. The lies that you put there. And they will catch up with you. It's a matter of time. Because the truth, only the truth lasts forever. Lies will never last forever. Those who speak the lie will look like a fool at the beginning. But those who laugh last, like my biology teacher used to say in Form 3, they always laugh last. Laugh best. Touch the heart of the Father. Genesis 8.21. What the Bible said there, after God has made the sweet spanish of all, in verse 20 of Genesis 8, in verse 27, in verse 21, the Bible said, and the Lord said in his heart. You see that? He touched the Father's heart. He said in his heart. That offering that Noah gave touched the heart of the Father. He touched his heart so much. Genesis 22, verse 15 to 18. Quickly, I've got to close. And, and the angel, angel of the Lord called unto Abraham, half of heaven, half of heaven the second time, and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. Abraham at this point had just put Isaac on the altar and left up the knife about to kill that boy, slaughter that boy, as a sacrifice to God. Because God said, Go and sacrifice your son upon the mountain that I will show you, the Mount of Moriah. And he took up the knife, was going to do it. When God said, So I was going to do it, God said, you will do that? The days when people will write millions and give it to the kingdom of God seems to have passed. The days are coming back. They are coming back. A new generation is rising. A generation that will sacrifice, that will build altars, and will put sacrifices on that on those altars. Day in, day out. He said, the angel of the Lord appeared and said, that by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, you see that, because you did this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, that in blessing I will bless thee. That means he was touched. God was touched. Him blessing, excuse me, him blessing I will bless thee, him multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the heart be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Not because you have prayed in tongues, because you obey my voice. We will deceive people. nonsense. Obey God. When you, when you obey God, God how you will do it, Father? Thank, thank you for, for this blessing, for it is done. All your rakataya will be in the secret, not in the open. Using religious activities to deceive the people of God. Obedience is what God requires. That was obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is what God requires. Obedience itself is sacrifice. It's better than other activities. That's what the Bible is saying. I will do. Number two, so, you see, the heart, the heart of God was touched. Number three, quickly, the third thing about a sweet and a genuine sacrifice. It produces the power to reverse the operation of the curse. It produces the power to reverse the curse. Come and see it here. Genesis 8, verse 21. Again, the Lord smelled a sweet, a sweet savour. I mean, the Lord smelled a sweet savour. And the Lord said in his heart, he touched his heart, I will not again curse. The ground. You see, you see that? that? It, it was, was the sacrifice on the altar. Now, oh, it was the sacrifice, was the sacrifice in verse 20 that God smelled a sweet smelling savour. Then he reversed the cause. I declare in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whatever. Spiritual negative, spiritual force of forces working against you, working against your progress, working against your family. I declare today, as you raise an altar with sacrifice on needs today in this service, I declare he those forces, those forces are hereby. They will receive, they will reverse, they will live your life in the name of Jesus. Make a sacrifice. Stop deceiving yourself. You love the Lord, but you don't show it. He said, I will no longer cause the ground for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. The night I will smite anymore every living thing as I have done. 
a sacrifice. Put sacrifice on the altar and you will speak less and get more. You can spend all night praying without sacrifice on your altar. You are joking. At times, obedience is that sacrifice. Stop wasting your time. One day I was praying to God. It was it was the 30th of a particular year. I think it was 2005. 2005. Yes, 2005. I was praying to God. I was waiting upon him. No food, no water, just water alone for about three days. And I've been praying and God has not spoken to me. So I only told and said, Lord, what's happening? You haven't spoken. I've been praying and praying and nothing has nothing is coming to me. And the Lord said to me, Because you are working in disobedience. I said, What did I do? He said, You have a grudge against your father and the Lord. And you have not you have done something that is not right and he's not happy with you. What? So that, so that night, 2 a.m., I picked up, pick up my phone, thank God for mobile phone. phone. I called him. I said, sir, I was praying, praying and this was what happened to me. This is what, what I had. I'm so sorry, whatever I've done. And he said, oh, yes, he did it, he hurt me, but that's okay, that's all right. I wasn't carrying any hurt or anything, but I just felt that that wasn't right. I said, I'm so sorry, sir. I said, that's all. I forgive. I said, pray for me. Let me pray for me. Listen to me. I dropped the phone. I said, it's under God, I lie not. I dropped the phone, opened my Bible, and the pages of the Word of God. I went to preach that message and they, somebody came to me after the service. Service of over two, almost 2,000 people, almost 2,000 people that night came to me and said to me, Sir, you know what? This is the best sermon, most impactful that have caused me to rethink my life I've ever had. I said, if only you know where it came from. Obedience. I didn't, I didn't say, say eh, if he's angry, he should be angry. Is he God? Is he God? Is he God? Is it the only God I have to please? Is he God? When the Bible says, touch not my anointed, do my prophet no harm. That scripture has not been changed in the Bible. It's still in the Bible. He said, believe the Lord of God, you shall be established. Believe his prophet and you shall prosper. So two of them, believe them in your life. By a prophet, God brought Israel out of Egypt. And by a prophet, God preserved him. Are you with me, somebody here? Somebody, somebody deceive, deceive you. you. If, if you want, want to, to, if you want if you want to disgrace God, God, disgrace what he has positioned in the place. When Nebuchadnezzar and the son of Nebuchadnezzar was drinking, Nebuchadnezzar was drinking from the vessel of the Lord, was disgracing God. You don't have to, it's not only God. What you do to his vessel, you are doing it to him. Sacrifice reverse. Quickly. Second Samuel 24. Let me read this scripture to you. The sacrifice reverses the cause. But the oppressions of hell will cease. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. The sacrifice I'm going to offer today will reverse all the oppressions of hell that ought not to be in your life that has been there because of your disobedience, been there because of your rebellion, been there because of your stubbornness. They shall be reversed today. Under this anointing, I prophesy as one called of God and then of God sent by God. In the name of Jesus. Sacrifice. Second Samuel 24. Second Samuel 24. And I'll close. I'll just give you one more and I'll close. Come and see this. Second Samuel 24, verse 25. And David built an altar. You see that again? Something was happening in Israel. A plague. You know what they call a plague? Coronavirus. A plague. A plague was going through the land. And then David built there an altar unto the Lord. And offered bond offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated. You see that? For the land. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that as your children, as we lift up sacrifices of prayer, sacrifices of obedience, sacrifices of submission unto you upon our altars, may, may you be entreated for this land. May you be, may you heal the land in the name of Jesus. That's why you the land. It's not No. I'll be walking disobedience. What nonsense is that? You beat your wife up, then in the night you say, Ho, she called by you. You deceiving yourself because you can see speaking tongues. It's not the Holy Ghost speaking to you, it's the devil. But Satan also speaking tongues. Nonsense. Sorry for that word. Check out Samuel 24, verse 25. He said, And David built there an altar unto the Lord, and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was intruded for the land, and listen to what happened. And the COVID 19, and the plague, 
That's what, that's what God said. The plague had just had COVID 19. And the plague was saved from Israel. So therefore, I declare in the name of Jesus Christ, I declare as you offer a sacrifice today unto God, whatever is plaguing your life, like a virus, whatever is causing pain, whatever does not cause you to sleep in the night, whatever is bringing oppression, whatever is depressing you, I say, as you sacrifice today, they shall stay. They will stay in their actions. They will stay in their moves. In the name of Jesus. Stayed. They stayed. And finally, number four. What does the genuine sacrifice do again? It produces the power to initiate a covenant with God. You know the new covenant was initiated because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? A sacrifice initiated it. A sacrifice initiated it. Genesis 8 22. When Noah has offered that sacrifice and God has made the sweet sacrifice above, and the Bible says, He said in his heart, I will no longer curse that ground again for my sake. That is, he reversed the curse, the plague, and everything. The last piece now says, verse 22 of Genesis 8. He said, Why the earth remain? That sacrifice Noah made caused God to make a covenant. Why the earth remain? Sit down. Look at covenant now coming to force. Covenant being introduced. Covenant being inspired, covenant being introduced, being inspired, being initiated by God. He said, Why they act? He was so pleased with the sacrifice. They said, I'm going to make a covenant over your life. Nobody will be able to bring you down again. By this sacrifice, God made a covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. He said, From today, I swear that is a covenant. He said, I, the Lord, I swear. In blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply your seed. Until today, Israel is still being multiplied because a covenant will remain, even though the mountains may Mover. The hills may leave, but covenant we stay. The covenant keeping God is our God. The covenant raising God is our God. And I say to you, by your sacrifice that you will give today, God Almighty will raise a covenant over your life. He will swear on your behalf. Anyone that tries to hurt you shall be hurt. Anyone that curses you shall be cursed. Anyone that blesses you shall be blessed. You become an force in your own community. You become an entity, an institution in your own place. Because the covenant is being introduced over your life today by your sacrifice. Why the earth remained? Sit time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Can I prophesy to somebody here from today? If you will obey God, for this call of a sacrifice that you are about to make right now. I said to you today, according to the word of God, your blessings will not cease. Your prosperity will not cease. Your increase will not cease. Your expansion will not cease. Your growth will not cease. Your height will not cease. You go from glory to glory. You go from height to height. You go from faith to faith. In the name of Jesus! A covenant brings to pass in your life what cannot cease again. You can't cease. Even if people hate you, you will still be blessed. Even if they hurt you, you will still be blessed. Even if they withhold from you, an hand will appear from somewhere and still bless you. I am talking about covenants. Initiating sacrifice. Remember, in Psalm 50, verse 5, gather my saints together unto me. Those, only those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. You see that? Sacrifice initiates covenants. I'm telling you, in your academics, you will not fail an exam. By sacrifice, you will not fail an exam. Even if they fail everybody, you will fail. You can't. In your contract, you will never be without a contract. Why? Because you are going to make a sacrifice tonight, this morning. Now, whenever you may be, stand on your feet. Today, Today I am not taking an offering. offering. I am, I am taking, taking sacrificial offerings. Offering. The, the Lord told me yesterday, and I said it on that God, I lie not in the place of prayer and study. He said, You will raise me a sacrifice tomorrow. I didn't plan it. I didn't even plan for this message to become a series. Supposed to be just one message for one Sunday, it became a series. He said, This is why I want people to give me a sacrifice. They ask me to do Asking, no, I want, I want them, them to put a sacrifice, sacrifice on their altar. So whenever, so whenever 
that you have right now, I'm going to ask you. You know what the sacrifice is? It causes you to bleed. You know what the sacrifice is? It causes you to bleed. Not the kind of money you give that you know that well, I can always get. No, the kind of money that you ah, this is a sacrifice. Whatever you may be right now. Oh, Lord, Lord, I know that somebody's down there. God is telling you yours is 500 pounds. He's telling that's what that's what he's telling you. to you. I'm saying no, no, no. I just confirmed it for you right now. That is 500. That's your sacrifice. 500. It's a sacrifice. You know something, you know something just, just happened, happened right, now? right now? Oh, this, oh, God, this God, is God is awesome. When I when said, Lord, when, Lord, when, when you told me that, that you take a, an, offering, an offering, he said, he said then, then you are going to pray over it. I said, how? He said, they are in their houses. He said, no. He said, you are going to give everybody in the auditorium an envelope. So you are going to give them an envelope? Then we fill their own sacrifices? Then they will use it as a point of contact. I have not told anybody to bring envelope. My protocol is I just walked into this auditorium. Right now, I don't know how. Then my wife just spoke to him. He just went out. He came in and he had envelopes in his hand. And the Lord said, I told you. That's what you're going to do. And I said, what? That's what God told me. I didn't even have to have an envelope. I didn't. This is God. God is about to end the operation of a cast, a plague. In somebody's life, in your marriage, he's about to hand it, I'm telling you. He's about to hand that cross over your life by a sacrifice. So go ahead and give people those envelopes. What a confirmation. We have never taken an envelope in this auditorium. Never given an envelope. We give our offering online. For God said, this is how you're going to do. You're going to use that envelope as a point of contact. And I didn't know my wife just spoke to the protocol officer. I didn't hear. I didn't know what they were saying. But when the man walked in from the children's church, he was holding a bunch of envelopes in his hand. And God said, remember, I asked you to do that. So people know that are going to free that envelope. Please finish with a sacrificial offering. Because I'm going to use as a point of contact. God, I just confirmed his word to me right now. Give him thanks wherever you are. Wherever you are, in your mind, be making up your mind. I want you to take a piece of paper and write down your own sacrifice where you are. And when we're about to pray, you will use that piece of paper, you will put it against the screen that you are watching this service from. Either your TV screen or laptop or your iPad or your phone, you will touch that screen with that paper in your hand. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. 